everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Coaches Corner University podcast. I'm your host, Paul Oneid, and today I have the pleasure of sitting down with my bodybuilding coach, the gentleman who uh, coached me to my first show, Luke Miller. Luke is an educator with J3 University, and he's the owner of No Switch Fitness. Luke, has actually, you were on the podcast with me and Tony, weren't you? Yeah, it was it was a while back, but yeah, okay, I did chance to come to come on so always happy to come on for a friend man always yeah happy. no I, I really appreciate the time because you know as we're going to get into it you've been up to a lot of stuff and uh time is very very valuable so yeah what's uh what's been new and exciting with you yeah life's been wild this year it's been a transformative year for me in regards to just like the 10-year vision mm-hmm. um so that's been pretty cool to kind of go through in regards to just like my role at J3 University taking a much larger uh, step in the, in the direction that I wanted to go. Um, and then just kind of the future of the coaching businesses for me, um, which I'm sure we'll dive into in a bit, just kind of where that's headed. Yeah. And, and um, just like what I want to do with my role of like educating coaches and everything like that is, is, it's not fully built out for everybody to see yet. So, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it, kind of start to yeah. peak the curtain a bit, but um, yeah, it's been huge. I I'm really excited. It's been a good coaching year as well. So um, a lot of development for not only myself, but the people working under me and um, it's been, it's been pretty awesome. So let's speak a little bit to your coaching resume. Like what are some of the, what are some of the highlights of the coaching resume up to this point? Yeah. So, I mean, the coaching business has been, intact since 2016 was when the business license was like officially filed right mm-hmm. do you know how that is like yep first you file the business license is like you just trying to figure out what the heck coaching looks like and figuring sure. that out um yeah well my first pro car kind of within the first two or three years of of coaching um so that happened pretty quickly um obviously now like coaching at the pro level um there's 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 a lot man it's hard for me I don't really rank my accolades based off wins and it's more like experiential, like how I'm changing people's lives type of a <laughs> thing. Um, and especially like some of the pro card wins from last year for me, um, just like seeing people cry, like coming on stage for something they never thought would be achievable is like, and, and I can, I can speak to one particular that comes to mind is like um, Kelsey Carlson, who she'll hopefully she listens to this. She came to me, she'd gotten like third call outs at North Americans with a different coach like two years prior. And she was like, I'm not even close to this standard. And then two years later, we went to universe, won her class, won her pro card. And and like, she's an IFB pro now. And and she's like, I I still don't feel like that weekend was real. Mm -hmm. It's like being able to give people that kind of an experience is like something they'll remember for the rest of their life. So um, I'm very impact driven. Um, the more impact I can create is 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 where I thrive and where I do well. Um, and that's kind of where the coaching businesses are headed is kind of focused on that impact. Well, I'm glad you said that because that's something that I've spoken about quite a bit in terms of you know why I do what I do and why I've branched into the areas that I've branched in is because I'm always looking for that next opportunity to provide impact and to widen that breadth of impact. And you know, speaking as one of your former clients, like I had never done a bodybuilding show before. And I can tell you that for me going through that process and like, I went through J3 university myself, like kind of, as we started the coaching. So I kind of knew what to expect, 
to a certain degree. (laughs) And then, you know, that whole experience being as, you know, mentally transformative as it was, like I had no delusions of being an IFBB pro or, or even winning or placing well. I just wanted to be the most conditioned refrigerator on the stage. And you got me there. So it was, you know, I can speak to whether it's winning your pro card or, you know, just getting to the stage for the first time. There's a transformation that takes place if you do it properly. And it's, it was 100% the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my whole life. And I don't think people get that experience because they don't, they're not present within it. I don't think. Yeah. I think a lot of it too is just, and I see this still as people coming in with maybe one, two, three shows under their belt, but the experience that they had with that previous prep, like got them to seven, eight weeks out. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just the, the standard of execution. You have to hold a client to get them all the way. There is extremely high. And most people aren't used to someone holding them to that state or to the level that I tend to not tend that I hold people to. Um, Cause at the end of the day, like you're not only representing yourself, you're representing myself and my brand and my capacity as a coach. So um, I expect a lot of the people that I work with, but it's also why we win at the clip that we win at. It's also why we, um, you know, produce athletes at the level that we produce athletes. Like it's just kind of the standard we have to hold people to. But the reason I do it is because if you hold them to that standard on the forefront, the amount that they get out of it on the back end is, is massive. Right. And um, I've also seen it ruin bodybuilding for a couple people. So there's like a double-edged sword to it is like, when they truly experience bodybuilding for the first time, it's like, Oh, wow, I did not sign up for this. You know, like because their previous competing has been just like getting to seven to eight weeks out and then they actually get all the way there for the first time. and like, whoa, buddy, this is not comfortable. It's like, but they still glean something from that. Right. So um, it's a double edged sword. But in the reality of like changing people's lives for the better, I think truly diving into what you're doing is the only way to do that. Mm -hmm. It's where the brand kind of came from right is like no all switch and pursuit of results was about being like a light switch like be all the way on for something or just be off about it right and if you fully dive in the the what comes off the back of that is just progress in all areas of life oh absolutely and i mean like i remember there was a few occasions for me in the prep where i was like walking my dogs in the dog park after cardio still fasted trying to get more steps And just literally crying because I was so like literally crying because I was so tired. And then remembering, I was like, this is actually what I signed up for because this mental struggle is why I wanted to do bodybuilding because I couldn't get that from powerlifting anymore. And I think the fact that you're kind of diving into that and, and I will say like, you, you listened to me bitch and moan when I needed to bitch and moan. And then it was done. And then we kind of walked it forward. And that to me speaks to like, okay, if we're going to put that athlete first and we're going to put that mental approach and that growth and development first, that bleeds into the rest of the things that you do because you have to approach everything else that you do in that regard. Mm -hmm. So let's speak a little bit towards the business. Obviously, it started with just you in 2016. Now you have four coaches that work under you. 
Um, we've got <laughs> two publicly um, okay. that work. We've got a lot on, or a couple on onboarding and the onboarding process. So okay. that team is about to expand. That's kind of where like the next steps in the direction of the coaching is headed is we are in the process of combining a couple of coaching brands and kind of branching out into creating a larger impact through that. So I'll be kind of taking a little bit more of a, a mentor role for these guys and girls. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the direction. So we'll have a team of four, potentially five um, by January. Um, so they'll be kind of fully onboarded, ready to roll January into December. Um, and that'll be like the next step for me is, is helping them facilitate wins and, and coaching pros and, um, I, I'm really excited for it. So yeah, it's, it's a huge step there. And and for me, it's more, when I look at business, I look at like athlete development and then coach development. And I look at those two as like similar processes with different responsibilities, mm-hmm. um, because you're still fostering someone into a, a place of autonomy. The yep. only difference is, is the level of autonomy that that individual has is different for a coach than it is for an athlete. And so you have to take, and that's why a lot of, to be honest, the coaches that are kind of coming through are going through the client process with us, whether it's myself or John, um, Mm -hmm. the majority of them have gone through it with me, but um, because they built that autonomy through the client process that now facilitates them being able to take on the autonomy that is required to be a coach under the brand and just the level of coaching that we re- we're going to require within that. So um, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's uh, Jamie, in fact, just won another overall last weekend. Oh wow. She's a couple pros on stage this year. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool to see where she's at. She's been with me the longest. So um, you love Canadians. Been... Yeah, man. I don't know what it is. Like I, I have like a whole roster of athletes that are Canadian. I've got two staff Canadian coaches. Yeah. Like, I just, I just, I just think I need to get like temporary residency so I can just come live there half the year when it's not frigid. <laughs> well, it's, it's two degrees under zero today. So yeah. already yeah. N- not even November and we're, we got some frost outside. So definitely not something that you're going to be used to. Um, dude, I love to hear that. And it resonates really deeply with me in terms of, you know, the, the dual role that has, essentially, you know, the same trajectory for the most part, there's, there's, you know, these non-negotiable things that need to get done. If you want to build your business, there's these non-negotiable things that need to get done. If you want to build your physique. And I think having done that, you know, you have competed in bodybuilding for an extended period of time. Uh, Maybe we'll talk about why that's been on the back burner, but um, actually I do want to talk about why that's on the back burner, but anyway, you know, having gone through that, you can, parallel think your way towards business. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people miss out on that. They're phenomenal athletes, but then just fall apart in the rest of their lives. When they miss out on that opportunity to transfer that knowledge into a new realm, transfer that commitment into a new realm. And, you know, we can talk about, you know, being all in on one or the other, because yeah. I, actually, you know what, I'm going to pose the question to you. Do you need to be all in on business to have a successful business? And do you need to be all in on bodybuilding to have a successful bodybuilding career? No, it's just priorities. It's, it's, it's how you allocate your time. Right. And I mean, I'm literally one of my business partners is a 
pro bodybuilder who just almost won an open show for the first time he's ever stepped on stage in an open class like oh wow john is the epitome of high level bodybuilder high level businessman like absolutely it's 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 uh it's definitely feasible it's also what does your life look like kind of outside like john's built his entire life around bodybuilding and running a business right where for me it's like i had until i had a kid and then you have a kid and it's like oh buddy this is something different so um yeah so it's it's definitely feasible i honestly i'm a believer in that unless you go through the process of doing it at the same time you're probably not going to be as good as the coach off the back end because the reality of coaching is that outside the top three percent of your roster the majority of people are doing something similar whether it's they're running their own business or they're um got their own job or anything along yeah. those lines you you maybe got let's say like a coach has 100 clients right that's not an uncommon client load for someone you've maybe got two athletes on that roster maybe three that are fully making their money off bodybuilding. That's oh, it. If that, yeah. If that, right? And that's if you're like a high level coach, right? And so yeah. you're you're just gonna have to be able to facilitate the development of that athlete to be able to handle everything. And it's hard to do that if you haven't had to do it yourself. Okay. So let's let's ask the question of how do you navigate those conversations when there are hard and fast rules about things that need to get done. You need to be in that deficit. You need to have that, you know, activity level high. You need to have training, nutrition, all that stuff dialed in. How do you navigate that conversation with someone who is trying to either, you know, work a full-time job and be productive or own their own business? Yeah. So I think it's, I think organizations probably and time management is the biggest thing that people miss out on. Yeah, it's like agree. the first thing I go to is how much screen time you have on your phone, right? Like, look at that little screen time thing. This, I mean, I had to do this for myself like two or three weeks ago where it was like, man, I'm wasting a lot of time on that. So it's, I mean, pointed in all directions, like myself included, but um, screen time. And then also like how much time are you wasting between tasks? So yeah, that's like block schedule type conversations where you're setting up like time blocks for specific tasks and you follow those blocks and get those tasks done in those specific time blocks. And then you, when you learn how to handle that, it, it, it requires you being rigid about it at first, and then you can be a little bit more flexible with it if you learn. Once you have the routine down, yeah. Yeah, so um, those two things are probably the biggest things in teaching someone like, hey, there's time in the day to make this happen. You just got to make them priority and put them in your calendar and then execute them. Well, And so you- by, even to the granular of like mealtime from 9 to 9.20, 920 to 9.30 is your 10-minute walk, 9.30 to 12.30 is your client work block. 1230 to one is social media content and like posting and replying to comments. One to two o'clock is if it's a content production day, you're doing content production or whatever that looks like, right? Mm -hmm. Like every minute is planned. And so it's, it's uh, very OCD ish, but it works. There's apps that can do it for you. Like there's an AI, I think it's called emotion that does it for you. I, the beauty of the prep for me was that like, I got three extra hours in my day because I wasn't sleeping. Oh yeah, man. That wake up sleep and with that quarter. So productive. Bro. Oh my God. <laughs> At first, like from from like four to seven a.m., I was like, 
Mm-hmm. Clicking on all cylinders. And then it just kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty funny. You see, like the sweet spot is like six to ten weeks out. You see these people, they're like, if, I coach a lot of coaches, right? So mm-hmm. they'll like do new things in business and develop these things for their online coaching and all this crap. And then they get to like three weeks out and they're like, I cannot keep this pace up. What am I doing? <laughs> well, it's so, like yeah. literally verbatim what Funny. happened to me. I remember reaching out to you two weeks out. I was like, listen, I got to go to Swiss. I can't keep digging anymore. We need to come out of this. And you're like, yep, yeah, okay, no problem. Like, you listened to me and it was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it got it got marginally better because I was just so in it. <laughs> yeah it's uh I think any coach who want listen you gotta you gotta be a product of your product so if you want to coach something in my opinion you have to have done it and done it at a moderately high level to be able to coach those at a high level it's like you know how are you going to co- coach someone to squat 800 pounds if you've never pushed the limits of what you're able to squat or how are you going to be able to put a pro on stage if you've never competed, you know, if you've only competed once. Yeah. I think, I think there's an experiential aspect of it that you have to actually do it yourself, but I do think you can kind of look at the level at which you compete is not a requirement of coaching. Right. So um, some of the best coaches in the world have never stepped in a pro stage. Right. And that's because they're very coach brain. There's mm-hmm. a certain level of emotional intelligence that's required to be a coach to facilitate athlete development at that level. Um, and for those of you who don't know what emotional intelligence is, it's just basically the ability to shift the way that you communicate and handle someone according to someone's state and or personality and or life variables. And so that skill is just not typically a skill that a lot of great athletes have um, because they're very like driven type A and they're more like rigid in their understanding of what needs to happen. So um, they're executors, right? And if you can do, there's a, I don't remember what the thing is called, but um, it classifies people for businesses into four types of people. And there's like, visionaries which are like ceos there's executors there's different ones organization type people and so there's there's a large difference in psychological profile of people who are really good coaches and people who are really good athletes yeah i would agree with that for me it's not so much the level at which you compete because listen not everyone can be a pro not everyone can swap pounds not everyone can right so to me it's about that pursuit of personal excellence like that to me is the key if you're going about it and like going through the motions and you've done a show it's like okay but did you put everything into it did you did you get on the back end as we talked about before did you get the benefits on the back end of it to be able to increase your emotional intelligence when you're trying to communicate to those clients so i'm glad you you narrowed that down um so let's talk a little bit about the brand so no switch fitness And then there's also Mm -hmm. J3 University. Mm -hmm. To me, one of the things that I find a lot with the coaches that I mentor is they immediately try to take on this role of educator when they want to get clients. Yeah. (laughs) But in my eyes and what's worked for me, those are very two different things. Providing information for the purpose of education versus providing information for the purpose of client acquisition two totally different things. Can you speak a little bit to, you know, how you approach that? Cause obviously it has to take both sides. 
Yeah, I think I think the viewpoint in which you disseminate information is the difference. Um, and I'll clarify that a bit. Yep. So as a coach trying to acquire clients, you're going to be largely in the what are we doing realm. So like the anecdotal expression of what you're doing from a nutrition standpoint or a training standpoint or whatever. In an educator role, there's frameworks that have to be built. Um, and it's hard to explain this unless you've had to teach at a high level before. But the 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 saying that I use for this is understanding something at a high level is like just straight up intellect. But being able to disseminate that information in something that's operational is how teachers operate. And so in order to be an educator, you have to take your intellect up to that level of full understanding. And then you have to be able to bring it back down into something that's a plug and play framework. So you should be able to take client A, client B, client C, plug them into this framework and find a solution for each person, no matter what their situation is. Right. And so You'll see in like some of the presentations I give or, or even in J3 University, we have like mind maps built out that are operational frameworks for decision making for these. And so in order to be able to build that out, I mean, you've got to be able to see all the potential scenarios right. that could potentially come across your desk within a coaching realm in order to do that. Right. And we have different ones for different aspects. And so like not one framework is going to cover every single client, but you take a combination of all those frameworks that we build across the entire course, and then there's probably not someone that's going to show up to your desk. And so the difference from a teaching standpoint is I'm always teaching an aspect of framework to help someone understand that this is potentially a route that you would go down with this group of clientele, where as a coach for client acquisition, you're more showing that you're in the trenches doing this work and that kind of stuff. And that's a great place to be like, a lot of your ability to teach comes from the time that you spend in that in the trenches. But, and the reason I say that is because our whole goal is to combine anecdote or coaching experience with research because there's a large gap, right? And they have to cross. And there's places where you're going to lean more on one versus the other, like in PD realm. Like you're going to lean on the, the the research that we have from an understanding of mechanisms of action and being able to apply that to the clientele, you're going to largely kind of lean on the research side of that application a little bit more. Whereas like training and, and nutrition, you're going to lean a little bit more on like the anecdotal side, just from like a creating a client result is always done from the thing that they can adhere to and execute at the highest level. That looks different for every client. So Knowing that and then building frameworks around that, that's the difference from an educator and a coach. And then that's just kind of how the content should change. Accordingly. Yeah. The way, the way that I've always conceptualized it is like, as an educator, you're concerned with the why you're trying to let people know the why behind the decision. So, you know, mm -hmm. yes, we decreased calories. Why did we decrease calories? And that plays right into what you were saying with the framework. Then when you're trying to discuss things with a client, it's the how. Right. Like we're having this issue. This is how we solve it. They don't need to know why you made the decision that you made. And for the most part, unless they're a coach themselves, they probably don't care. Yeah. They just want to know, okay, does this make sense on the surface level? If yes, then I go forward. You trust in your coach 
that they know what they're doing and that they have your best interests at heart, which probably another conversation, but because I'm sure you get a lot of people that come to you with terrible horror stories about coaches. But for me, whenever I'm discussing content development with a coach, it always has to come down to like, you're a problem solver for that client, right? What problem are they running into? You're the, you're the person who can solve it. If you're speaking from an education framework, the language that you use is around the mechanisms of action of the solution and how it solved the problem. Yeah. So it's different pain points, right? Like the pain points are a little bit different. And at the end of the day, like that's what business is, is you're finding a pain point and you're providing a solution to it. Right. And so there's been a large shift in my content production because of where I'm at. Like I coach a ton of coaches, like Mm -hmm. a large percentage of my clientele are coaches themselves. Um, And then obviously with the J3U stuff we're doing, like that's all coaching coaches. Right. So um, everything that I do now is from that viewpoint. I very, I'll put it out occasionally, but rarely am I in the coach to athlete conversation viewpoint, um, just because of, of where I'm at and that conversation is more happening within the coaching realm. So, um, it's, it's huge. And, and that starts to get into brand and brand dialogue and creating that. Right. And, and that's, a whole podcast within and of itself, but it's, it's a huge aspect of building out like the type of client that you want and then classifying those clients into ideal versus villain versus vampire versus. That's exactly what I was going to get into because the fact that you coach a lot of coaches is not by accident. It's by design, right? So when you look at your goal of impact, which we started off our conversation with, The best way to make an impact is to make an impact on someone who impacts others. So Mm -hmm. now your impact is way more widely dispersed if you target that content towards the coach who wants to learn. They're obviously going to come to you to learn more, whether it be on an education side or to go through the process and pick your brain like I did on the client side. Mm -hmm. Then you get into a situation where you're probably acquiring more clients than you can handle. And then you start to expand your business. Yeah. Yeah. That is- so like that was 22 for me. 22 was a very athlete in. Okay. End of 21 into the first half of 2022 was a very big athlete year for me. Like mid 22, I think I was running 160 clients or 150. I think that's when I went down to visit. And we, we had a, yeah, I was running like 150, 160 yeah. at that point, um, which I handled fine. I just worked six days a week. It wasn't too much of an issue, but that was the shift for me of like, okay, you know, I've been doing this athlete thing since 2016. Like my role has changed drastically from where I'm at. Um, I've got these people working under me, like let's build them out and like do Jamie, Jamie is going to make well over six figures this year. Like that's huge. Like to have someone working for you that's doing that is like, is, is massive. So it's, it's just, it's a shift. Right. And and it's actually like, I don't know how much I can say here, but it's so much of a shift that branding is going to change um, come January. And so like the actual like visuals of what everybody sees and all that is, is going to be completely different. Um, and so I'm not really in a place to fully share that yet, but no, no, yeah, I think probably back into November is kind of where that'll come out. Um, 
of and like that, it, that speaks it, to the impact, it, right? That speaks to yeah. like everything you're doing has started with impact and has led you to those decisions that you're making. So you're, you know, no off switch in the in the pursuit of of, of results. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, no off not no off switch in the pursuit of results. That extends into everything. Yeah, and if it's geared towards impact, now like you have this guiding light of impact, and you dive full force into it, it makes the decision making process along the way super simple for you, because you know exactly what direction you need to be in. And I remember our conversation quite clearly when we were training together, you were saying how you were coaching a ton of athletes and you were wondering what that next step was going to be for you. Because, you know, this is something I think a lot of coaches need to think about is you can only exchange time for money for so long. Yeah. There are only 24 hours in the day and you should be sleeping for eight of them. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Quote unquote should. Um, so you can only handle so many clients. You can only only handle so much work, especially when you factor in, you know, work on the business and content generation and all, all the other things that need to move your business forward. You made a decision based on impact that further led your business towards, you know, where you needed it to go. And it's led you to where you are today. So I think that's really the take home. Yeah. And I look at it as like a glass ceiling, right? Like where is that glass ceiling for you? And then where's that glass ceiling for others? And in order to be able to raise the glass ceiling for other people, you have to raise the glass ceiling for yourself. Um, And so that's why I say 2023 was a transformative year for me because I've raised that glass ceiling massively, just like the sky's the limit now. we've built the team out kind of around us to be extremely able to facilitate the growth that's going to come. And just like the next steps in the business, mm-hmm. the people that can do things that I can't and it's phenomenal. Like it's just, it's wild what can get done when you have the right people around you. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's, if you would have told me five years ago, that I would be having the kind of conversations from a on the business type of type of meetings and conversations that I'm having right now, I would have laughed in your face. But it's just it's 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 a product of the years that I spent in bodybuilding, honestly, like and and knowing that if you just keep your head down, like the places you can go is wild. It's it's unbelievable, man. And from a business development standpoint, like being able to help other people build their businesses to the point where they're paying for their family's bills and paying for their house or being able to buy a house or things like that. That's extremely rewarding, more rewarding than any show will ever be. Oh, and like, I don't necessarily get to do that with people that I work that work with me at master athletic. I mean, Liv would be the one who comes to mind where she's built her business out to where it is now. And to think that she's only been doing this for 13 months and where she is now full time is pretty crazy. But, you know, working with mentorship clients and seeing the way that they've built their businesses to basically have the business of their dreams and only opportunities to grow, dude, that that's impact. Yeah. You change, you're, you're changing your coaches' lives. Yeah. And it's, it's been, it's been cool, man. And uh, there's been a lot of people that have positively impacted me across the way of just like, you know, 
basically sat me down like look like you're doing this at this level and you're missing out on 50 percent of what's capable of business development right like you continue to improve this side and you're just like the sky's the limit right and so um, having those kind of conversations have been massive for me and uh well well welcomed because you can never be the smartest person in the room okay let's let's ask that question then so at what points have these conversations happened have they been at peak points or have they been at low points? Um, I would say a little bit of both. I would say the one that was at a peak point that I thought at the time put me in a low point, but looking back, actually opened me up to be able to do what I did across this year was quitting bodybuilding. Um, I was, yeah, I was the biggest I'd ever been. I was like 260. I felt great. I was like, well, I felt great. Like 260 is not fun, but from a bodybuilding perspective, like, I was like the biggest I'd ever been, right? Uh, and it was the Dubai trip that actually kind of led me to stopping competing because Emily and I went through the IVF process. She was pregnant. We were about two months away from having Ellie. I went to Dubai, man, and they they were phenomenal. They made all our meals for us. We had the full meal prep for the entire trip and I lost like 12 pounds, like, and like just being in Dubai and being active and trying to keep up with everything. And I had done that a couple of times with things that had come up for show weekends over the last four months where I would like get up to 256, 257, 260. And then I would just lose 12 pounds. And then it would just be like, this climb back up. Right. And uh, I was starting to realize that my role as a coach and a business owner was just overriding what I was capable of from a bodybuilding perspective. And that genetically, I'm just not really built to be up there. Um, and then it was a conversation with my wife. And she's like, look, you've got a kid coming. Like, you've got responsibilities in regards to sticking around as long as possible for that kid. And you are going to be a great dad and you're not going to want to do this when she's here and you know bodybuilder you're like yeah whatever like i'm just going to bodybuild and take care of my kid right mm -hmm. but uh it was like probably three weeks before we had was i made the decision to step away and like in those first three months i went from like 260 to like 230 like really quickly i felt so much better my operational capacity for check-ins and business development was tripled like i'm telling you right now i work on check-ins four days a week and i don't even work on check-ins four days a week that full day now yeah. where in the past this amount of clients would have probably taken me five and a half days um and so it's just opened me up to receive the things that i needed to receive from a business development standpoint from like the business mentor side to be able to take those next steps because um I was beating a dead horse with bodybuilding, if I'm honest. Yeah. And I mean, like drawing a parallel, I, I'm kind of in that same situation. I'm not, I'm definitely, we're not having kids for the next couple of years, but I'm I'm looking forward to that and seeing like, what does my life architecture have to be like in order for me to be the dad that I want to be? And Different. I remember, you know, I sent you an email about this, which kind of, you know, triggered the podcast is like, you know, it's something I very much respect about a man who steps up to the plate and says, being a father is the most important thing to me. How do I, how, how do I show up for my family in the best way possible? And if you're trying to cram down six meals a day, run a business at the level that you do, a diversified business at that matter, where you have multiple yeah. verticals, 
and try to be a father, you're going to fall short in one area. Yeah. And that's going to compromise your guiding light of impact. Yeah. So while that was probably a very challenging decision for you, I feel like in, in some ways it was easy. Yeah. And I'll be straight up honest, man. Like the first four months after that were not the greatest for me from a emotional mental state. Like I probably, uh, not clinically diagnosed depression, but probably there and just not willing to admit it. Um, type of a thing where it was, it's only like now we're, I'm kind of looking back on that and seeing that that's potentially where I was, but that it was so necessary to be where I'm at now. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's wild. It's, it's, uh, I had a similar thing happen to me with golf because like the meniscus injury took scholarships away the first like six months after that, I just didn't know what to do with myself. Like I quit the sport. I didn't touch it for 10 years. And it was like, you know, there's a lot of regret with how that was handled. And so like this time around, instead of like quitting, I just poured it into working and like being there for the new kid and stuff like that. Um, and it's like, you see the development as a mature adult and like the difference in what you handle situations. It's like, I channeled that into more productive channels where it's like, okay, like, yeah, that probably wasn't the greatest experience for four or five months of like mentally, emotionally where I was at, but it's put me in this position now where it's like, I'm so excited for the next 10 years, next five years. Like, man, what's to come is going to be so cool. Well, it's an identity shift, man. I mean, like you, your identity was that of a bodybuilder or, or let's, you know, even first was as a golf athlete and that identity was stripped from you and you kind of didn't know where you landed. Then you decided to step away from bodybuilding and there was a piece of your identity, a large piece that you know, had to be stripped away to build something new. And, you know, the point that comes up to my mind is I did a podcast with Ed Cohn and he told me that I was better known as a coach than an athlete. And I was like, well, man, that happened without my permission, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but it's true. And, and I'm, I'm very grateful that I'm in this position where I can be present within this transition of identity. Like I'm not, yeah. there's no rush. There's no like impetus of a child. There's no, I don't have to give anything up per se, because I can still train the way I want to and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to have these discussions so that people understand that, you know, you know, the season of life that you're in and the identity that you attach to is going to change over time. And there are different vehicles that we attach our identity to, whether it be athletics or business or family. I think as we progress through life, it comes to a point where there's an integration of all of them towards the end, where it's just you as opposed to these individual things. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I'm getting to the place where the integration of like everything that I want is there now. So like, I'm doing things on the business front that I want to do. My business to life ratio is the best it's ever been in the last six years, seven years. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got a kid who's beautiful and I'm getting to do the things that I want to do kind of on the day to day. So it's, it's been fun, right? Like, yeah, sure. Maybe I don't train as much as I used to or, or whatever, but yeah, it's been, it's been really different. And for someone that's very goal oriented and growth oriented and needs that task type of thing every day. Um, 
it's been a shift, especially scheduling with a baby. Like when you have your first kid, you'll learn this whole schedule thing for the first six months out the window. Yeah. But um, it's it's been wild. And to be honest, like from an objective viewpoint, the amount of development that I've made across this last year of being able to facilitate growth, not only for myself, but for other people and be able to identify weaknesses, build out solutions and frameworks to address those weaknesses for people and then get them to that next level has happened more in this last year to year and a half than it did in the first six years of business. And the experiences that I had in those first six years have diversified me to the point that there's pretty much not a, a situation business or client that I feel like I don't, I can't help. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy when you think about it, but it's, uh, it's, it's fun. That's for sure. The the point I want to emphasize to a lot of people is that it took you six years to get here, and that's probably closer to 10 years, right? Yeah. So you're not an overnight success. That's not a no, I mean, I've been in the bodybuilding world for over 10 years. So, like, is I just didn't start a business the moment I stepped into bodybuilding, right? So um I've been in this thing for let's see, I'm 28 now, so I was 17 when I started, so 11 years. Yeah. I mean, you know, I took my first client when I was 18 years old. I'm, I'll be 36 in two days. So it's like, <laughs> it's I literally a half, half my life. Yeah, yeah. Half my life has been spent coaching and, you know, while my business is still growing, it's not, I don't think it'll ever be where I actually want it to be because where what I want it to be will continue to change. Seeing that growth and development in myself, seeing the growth and development in others, like that identity shift has made a lot easier when you're fulfilled in the areas of your life. The big question I have for you, and I know that you're going to laugh. How do you get that catharsis from business that you get from a fucking heavy set of something? I don't, I don't. I'm That's the one thing I'm like, fuck. If I'm addicted it, it, to anything, it's that. Yeah, I think it's... um. I don't get it. It's, it's not, it's, it's never going to be that for me. I I enjoy growth and building that path and just executing that development process. I'm very process oriented, but yeah, I'll never get it that same. And I think, I think I've had to learn to let it go, man. Um, okay. And the hard part for me is, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm like 225 now. The reality of me trying to sit under a seven and a quarter pendulum set at 225 versus 260 is just not happening. And so like, it, it just, it wouldn't, I wouldn't even stand back up with it. I don't think, I mean, maybe for a rep or two, but like, it's just not happening. Right. And so when you, the identity shift is, it's funny you bring that up. I knew that that was coming. Like having gone through it before with golf, like I was well prepared for that, that shift to happen. And even though it still put me in a place that probably wasn't the greatest, I learned to let go of that really quickly because I knew it wasn't feasible to be able to maintain what I was doing from a performance standpoint. And so for me, I kind of, um, being a process oriented individual, I've just put that into the processes of things I'm invested in. And so like the process of development as a coach myself, like even though I'm mentoring other coaches, like my journey of developing as a coach will never end. Oh, like, I'm, sure. never I'm glad be, you said that. 
Yeah. I'm never going to be the person that says like, I'm a know-it-all. Like there's other people that are better at other aspects of coaching potentially than me. And if I can learn or glean something from them, that'll be, that's great. And that's kind of how I view it. So like the process of development as a business owner, the process of development as a coach, the process of development and some of my personal endeavors that I now have, like it's uh, that's where I put all that um, because yeah, I know there's, there's nothing that replaces like, loud rap or rock music standing under a squat bar and, and and getting that and so you just have to channel it in different ways and i have my moments where i'm like you know like man there's nothing better than i wish i could just load up a bar it's just like loading up a bar now looks like a lot different than what loading up a bar looked like then but and being that it's like at 5 a.m because that's when i train now it's, it's just not my favorite time of day i know i'm such a grandpa now dude like I'm training at 5 a.m. I'll be honest. And, and maybe and I, I kind of want to share this because we see a highlight reel from Instagram um, of like what business actually looks like. Yeah. Um, so in the last month and a half, two months, in the last two months, I've slept in my bed maybe once a week because I'm staying up to work and I refuse to wake my wife up who is sleeping and trying to get good rest so that she can be present in there for our daughter. And like the reality is, man, it's like in order to do this well right now, right now, just because of the development of the new business and things that I'm doing, I have to be present. I have to be there when my, my daughter's awake and mm -hmm. or when my wife's awake. And so that time frame from like 5.30 PM to let's say 5 PM to probably 8.30, 9 o'clock is like for them right mm -hmm. and so it at a time where that probably potentially used to be like five to seven thirty i could work if i wanted to mm -hmm. just it's not something that's manageable for me you know and so like most nights i am up till midnight working and most nights or most mornings i'm up at between five and six right now yeah and like i you know same breath i uh the way our schedule works, obviously we don't have children. Uh, I usually work until about eight 30 from eight 30 to 10 o'clock uh, is live and I's time together. We usually just watch a show in bed by 10 o'clock. I cannot remember the last time that we woke up at the same time. I'm yeah. always, I'm always out of bed at least an hour to two hours before she is. Yeah. And so like, it's a season of life and you're going to have seasons where that happened, right? Like 2020 was the last time, 2020 into 2021 was the last time I had a season like this, where it was like, I was doing mentor calls from people in other countries. So I was staying up till one to do these calls and like, it's going to happen. And then you're going to reroute back to your normal yep. routine and you're going to be fine. Right. And so success doesn't come from, the perfect morning routine or this perfect bedtime or whatever. I mean, it does in bodybuilding, but that's just because it's an athlete endeavor. But like in, in kind of what we're doing in development, like right now, my priorities are family and where my coaching is going and where all of my other coaches coaching is going. And so if that means I stay up till midnight, one o'clock majority of the week, then that's what happens. Yeah, for sure. Um, listen, I want to be mindful of your time, but I do have a couple quick hit questions before we sign off. The first one being, what's the scariest set you've ever done in your whole life? Mm. 
anxiety going into it was probably the six plate RDL. That just like, that's just like, you're just looking at the bar. You're like, I don't know how this is going to get up on the floor, but we're going to do it anyways. And you're in that environment. We were in the UK. I was at FLF. Yeah. Was, Oscar was in the room and Ross and Cal. And like, it was so much fun. So like, you're going to do it. But, you're going to do it. Yeah. Uh, the other one was a seven and quarter pendulum because I had pinged my knee on that pendulum a few months before, like six, seven months before. And like, I never touched that weight before. And this is the Atlantis pendulum for those wondering. And I unracked it and I was like, oh my God, what is this? And then three reps in, I blacked out for a second. And then I had to like regather myself and then do a couple more. And so like, that was probably the scariest set that I've ever been in. Granted, it's a machine. So, you know, you, you guys can make fun of me if you want, but. No, no, no. There's, there's <laughs> scary machine. Listen, there's some scary machine squats if you do them properly. Um, I think this, the scariest one I've ever done, I'd squatted 750 for a double by myself in the basement during COVID. Oh no. That's, <laughs> see, I don't, I don't move under a barbell, like a, uh, a, a, a regular barbell squat that looks a little bit closer to a hinge than a squat for me. So, well, me too. Um, <laughs> that's why when yeah, we started together, I stopped squatting. <laughs> that's not something I participate in frequently, but yeah, like uh, squatting is one of the closest life or death experiences you'll ever have if you do it right. Um, the next question is, do you crack your egg on the side of the pan or on a flat surface? On the counter. Good man. <laughs> Top five that are alive, you and five dinner guests. Ooh, that's tough. Dead or alive. Tiger Woods is one of them. Okay. Um, I think people see that from like an athlete perspective. I would want the mentality perspective from someone like him. Mm -hmm. uh, for people who don't know, he's got like a, a Buddhist background. And so like the meditative state in which he can get into, like that can serve you in any endeavor. So that would be kind of why I would have him there. Um, from a business development standpoint, Alex Ramosi mm -hmm. uh, would just love to pick his brain for a bit. Five people. Jesus, that's going to be tough. The big dinner uh, table. Big dinner table. That's a lot of conversations. Um, from a probably just want to like meet this person type of a thing would be Michael Jordan. Again, probably a little bit more mentality based. Mm -hmm. I'm very like, I, I love mentality type stuff and like what that Me takes too. and what think at high level. Um, just to say that I've met him and shared dinner with them would probably be where that is. And MJ loves golf too. So that would be really cool. Um, from a bodybuilding perspective, probably Ronnie Coleman to sit down and have dinner with him and just really ask him if it was worth it. Like was what he did worth it for where he's at now. And, and, just like understand like what that looked like to do that at that peak level for that long. Like people make fun of him, right? Because he was a little bit genetically gifted to the point that he didn't have to think of it at the level that a lot of us do. Right. Mm -hmm. But man, success leaves clues. He did a lot of things, right. And yeah. like, you can't ignore that. And so like, that would probably be, so that gets me to four, right. That's yeah. Tiger, Tiger, Ronnie. Um, fifth. Fifth, 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 fifth. Honestly, 
I think for me, I'm at a point in my life where the fifth person at the dinner table would be my wife, just to have her experience that with me. I knew you'd say. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I'm at a place where if I'm going to do something that's fun or memorable or something like that, I want to share that with her. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she'd probably be the fifth person. She's gonna be mad you picked her last. No, she's not. No, she's not. She, <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna be happy that I went took the mental leap to to think that I would rather share that with her than be selfish selfish For about sure. that experience. All right. The last question. If you could see anyone on this podcast with the caveat that you have to help me get them on, who would it be? Oh man. Um, I think I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna say John Jewett and y'all are going to rag me for that. It's like my best friend, but um, I think people underestimate the amount of understanding from a business side that he has. If they do, like, they're yeah, stupid. Sure. We're, we're known as educators, right? And we can do the bodybuilding thing all day. We can talk whatever you want in regards to bodybuilding, physiology, whatever, right? The dude from a, from a business perspective, and I will say this is, and this could be one or the other, a lot of this is largely due to Mark Fox. Like Mark is, I have never seen someone in my life work so hard and Mark might be the person to have if he'll come on. But I, I think John's more likely, but the, the, the amount of conversation that the three of us have in regards to like, where do we take our vision and like the amount that actually gets executed on because of that group, like, either one of them would be phenomenal um, because there's a lot of background that people don't see that goes on in order for us to do what we do. And a lot of that is because one of the three of us is, is handling something. Yeah. Right. I'll be honest. Like I dream of operating at the level that Mark operates on. It's ridiculous, dude. Like Mark is the, backbone of what we do and um it's like me and john do a ton but man it doesn't happen without mark and that that group of three so okay well you expect a text message from me yeah you know you know you will i've got a call with john today i'll ask him if he can come on beauty luke thank you so much for your time today it's been uh, it's been an absolute pleasure i know it's not the usual podcast that you're you're used to filming but I think your experience is one that will resonate with a lot of people, especially those that want to get to where you are. And I'm very excited to see where you, where you continue to go. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. It's uh, it's been a long journey and I'm only 28. So exactly. we got a long time to go. <laughs> exactly. um, everyone. Thank you so much for joining to this conversation. Please make sure to like share, subscribe and ring the bell for notifications. And we'll catch you on the next one.